You are listening to the Agape Center Podcast. As we get into the word here, we, we read it. I, I'm going to come back to Matthew, but if I look in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verse 23, it says this. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. If we look at another translation, the English Standard Version says this. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. Uh, if you look at Proverbs 4 verse 23 in the New International Version, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. But I like the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. I've come, I've come to tell you today that when we preach on the matters of the heart, we're preaching on issues of life and death. For understand this, I'm not talking about just your physical life and your physical death, uh, but I'm talking about your spiritual life and your spiritual death. For the Bible tells me that I have to believe in my heart, meaning my heart has to be functional enough for me to believe in Jesus Christ, for me to have the fullness of salvation. I'm not going to get into all that today. Come to Bible study and you'll see it. But today I really want to focus on this heart subject, this heart uh, talk. And, and for me to begin, I want to say, first of all, that the subject of the heart uh, is elusive in nature. It is tricky. Uh, it's an obtuse idea that is difficult for us to grasp. It's hard because uh, the definition of the heart is abstract in nature. Uh, because of that reason, it is without a question that one of man's deepest struggles is in understanding of the heart. We have an inability to truly understand what the heart is. And I don't blame us for that because the Bible even tells us here in Jeremiah chapter 17 it says that the heart is deceitful above all things then he goes on to say who can know it so what I understand here and what he's saying is that having a heart goes beyond just having a cardiac muscle that is located somewhere within your chest cavity rather having your heart is having the capacity or the ability to have thought and emotion am I preaching to somebody right now what I'm saying is is that your heart is just not your physical flesh heart Heart, but that your heart goes somewhere deeper in a place that is immortal or a place that is unseen, a place that no one can see, no one can touch, and no one can feel. But isn't that interesting that even though you can't touch that heart that I'm talking about, you can still hurt it? I'm going to come back to that. So I understand now that the heart goes deeper than the flesh itself. Understand this, that even God had a heart. For the Bible says that David was a man that was called, that was after God's own heart. So if, if God has a heart and we are made in his image, then we also have hearts. Now, the heart that I'm talking about here is not the physical heart, but the capacity to think and the capacity to feel. So if I'm having difficulty understanding what this heart thing is, then maybe I can, I can understand you now when you say that you have a difficulty in understanding who you are. Am I preaching to somebody? Is there anybody here who can say that there's still some things that I struggle even within myself that I don't completely understand? Uh, is there anybody in here who will at least admit that there have been some points in your life where you say to yourself, I'm not really sure why I did that. I'm not really sure why I think the way that I think. Sometimes I feel like I can't even control it. And isn't it 
it funny that when you get saved, you put in your mind that you want to change some things that you think, but there's still some things that you struggle with that you don't understand? Why is it that I act the way that I act? Why is it that I speak the way that I speak? Why is it that I do the things that I do? Understand this, that the, the issues with your relationships, uh, your desires and your motives uh, all reside within your heart. And if all of that resides in your heart, then consequently, your heart determines your career, it determines your marriage, it determines your finances, and all these things come within the deep bowels of your heart. So what I'm imploring you guys to do today is to look at yourself not from the external, uh, not from the surface of things, but I'd like to ask you to get a little bit deeper into who you are. Understand this, that if you really want to get to know you, you can't just know the external you. You've got to go a little bit deeper and you've got to know the internal you. Let me tell you why. Because your salvation depends on your inside. For God does not look at the external of the man, but he looks at the internal of the man. And if I'm going to worship God, I can't worship him with the external of who I am. But the Bible says that I have to worship him in spirit and in truth. That means my spirit needs to connect with God. My inside needs to connect with God. The part that nobody can see has to get connected with God. This is what I'm telling you, is that we got to get to a place of maturity in God where we're not looking at how we are on the outside, but we're looking at how we are on the inside. When I come to church on Sunday, it's not about what I look like, what, what I'm wearing, how I'm dressed, how I speak, but rather it's about the relationship and the connection that I have with God. A mature Christian says this, that I didn't come to church to have a show. I came to church to connect. The Bible says this now, is that not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Ephesians 6, Paul is talking. He's saying, you've got to stop wanting to be Christian for Christian sake. You've got to want to stop being religious for religious sake. You've got to stop looking good for looking good sake, but rather you want to look good for God's sake. Meaning, I'm not looking good on the external, but it's from the inside out, not the outside in. Uh, but see, here's the danger of it all. The danger of it is that a lot of us are afraid of the inside. I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody here. Uh, it's easy for us to talk about intellectual understanding. But the true difficulty comes in the intrapersonal understanding. All right. I just saw a bunch of crazy looks just now. What is he talking about? What I'm saying is, is that it's easy for me to tell you, go to school and learn calculus. Uh, go to school and learn English. How many nursing students in here? Go to school and learn anatomy. Because that is an intellectual understanding, an intellectual way of thinking. But when I say that you need to get to an intrapersonal way of thinking, I'm asking you now to go into places you've been running from a long time ago that are deep inside of you. Man, I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody right now. But there are those of us that have blocked some things out. We are still wounded because we never went to our place where we were wounded and sought healing for it. So therefore, what I'm telling you is that there are things that are dysfunctional in the way that we behave. The reason that it is because we never approached it. Mm. Meaning what I'm asking you to do now is to get a little bit deeper. See, some of you thinking I'm I, 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 not fully understanding what I'm saying. What I'm saying is some of us got to go back to the day we were molested. 
Uh, some of us got to go back to the day we were abused. Some of us got to go back to the day when they told us we were nothing. Can I tell you right now that some of us, we're not functioning correctly because we never dealt with the pain and the hurt that we experienced. Instead, what we did was, is we suppressed it, we put it to the side, but can you go back to the place where things in your life turned around because something happened that you didn't? Um, I, I don't know if I'm preaching to somebody today, uh, but I want to help you understand this, that your healing, your healing, your direction, your movement in life. This is why this weighs on me, because dysfunctional behavior implies a dysfunctional heart. Mm. And now I'm asking you to go a little bit deeper into your understanding of yourself. And the reason why I'm telling you that what I'm saying is don't be afraid of it because understand this that if God takes you there he's going to heal you there. If God takes you there, he's going to transform you there. He says the end of a thing is better than its beginning. So yeah, it may not have started the way that you wanted it to, but understand that when you allow God to work in you, that he's going to heal you. All right. So what am I talking about? Take my time on this one. The Bible says this. The Bible says that, uh, that the heart, not the physical, but the heart is what houses the capacity and the ability to think and feel. It is where you have emotion, but it's also where you think. Let me help you understand this, that the Bible says this in Proverbs 4, uh, Proverbs 23, verse 7. It says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Meaning, it's, it's, it's what I'm thinking with my heart that's the real thinking. Okay, hard thinking is the important thinking because hard thinking is the one that allows me to behave the way that I do. Hard thinking is the very essence of who I am. So if I'm not thinking correctly with my heart, anybody seen some really smart people do some really stupid stuff? Because you see, they've got the intellectual brain thinking, but they don't have the heart thinking. So if you want to move forward in your life and you want to elevate who you are, you've got to elevate the way that you think, not just with your brain but with your heart I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take my time with this and I come to tell you that to get to know somebody you've got to know their heart uh, to get to know a person you've got to know what's going on inside of them you're not just hearing the words that they say but you're understanding them from a deeper capacity to know somebody requires you to know what manifests from their heart and to help you understand this is that that is the difference between somebody who knows about God and somebody who knows God. Somebody who knows about God knows the word and they can read it from an, from an external, from a superficial point of view. But somebody who knows God is somebody who gets into the deep thoughts of God. Somebody who knows God is somebody who gets into the heart of God. It requires you to get into a deeper place with God. Let me tell you something. True worship doesn't happen until you know what's inside of God. True worship doesn't happen until you know the thought of God. If you don't know the thought of God, you can't really worship. And let me tell you something, your thoughts of God and knowing the thoughts of God is way more important than how many verses you can memorize. It's way more important than how many Sundays you go to church. Can I tell you, there's some Christians who go to Sunday coming in, Sunday coming out, still looking and sounding the same way. But there's some 
somebody who says that it's not about looking pretty on Sunday, but I got to get deeper into my relationship with God. I got to know who God is. And when you get to know who God is, nobody's got to tell you to worship anymore because now you know how he thinks. And let me tell you something. When you get to know the thoughts of God, you become amazed by God because his thoughts don't match the way that his thoughts don't match the way that you think here's what David says he says in Psalm 139 when he faces with his humanity and he looks at God's divinity and he compares the two and he sees how he was fearfully and wonderfully made here's what he says now he says how precious also are your thoughts towards me he says oh God how great is the sum of them can I tell you when you know how God thinks that's how you know how great God is because when you look at the things that you've done in your life nobody here deserves God's love but he gave you his love anyway meaning his ability to think his capacity to feel goes way beyond Amen. Uh, um, I would like to invite you to do this is that when you think about God don't just look at what the Bible says about God but when you get down in your prayer, you start going deeper. Say, God, I need you to tell me how you think. Because when you begin to know how God thinks, things inside of you start changing. Am I preaching to somebody right now? I'll tell you what a true worshiper look like. A true worshiper doesn't need a keyboard player, a drummer. A true worshiper will be in the bathroom already worshiping. Is there anybody that got caught in a worship break right there in the most funny of places? You get in tears. You feel all funny. You're like, oh my God, you are so crazy. You are so good. How could you love me after all the things I've done for you? After all the things I've done to you, but you still love me anyway. God, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace, but you gave it to me anyway God you are crazy good you are amazing you are awesome the true worshiper don't need a band don't need a worship leader don't need anybody to get them excited they get excited all by their self did anybody get caught in a worship break in their car in traffic you almost feel embarrassed you wish you had tents because everybody looking at you like you're crazy but you see, that's the thing. God is so crazy good. You got to get crazy just to show him how much you love him. Anybody ever got in the bathroom and all of a sudden you just in tears? You might have even been taking a dump on the toilet. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, you are crazy. How could you do that for me? When everybody left me to the side, everybody said I was nobody. And here you are taking the dump and looking at God about how great he is, how awesome he is, how good he is. Let me tell you, that's real worship. Because real worship will catch you when you're naked, catch you when you're dressed, catch you when you're sick, catch you when you're healthy, catch you when you got money, catch you when you ain't got money. That's what worship is all about. Worship don't look at the condition. Worship looks on the inside, not what it looks like on the outside but what it looks like on the inside let me tell you something you've got to get into yourself to know who God is to know how he thinks people be like yo I don't understand this person get into their heart I'm having trouble with my parents get into their heart I'm having trouble with with, with, with the person I'm in a relationship with. Get into their heart. 
get into the thoughts. Let me help you understand this. Is that to understand the heart, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be finishing real soon here. To understand the heart means you've got to understand what comes out of it. Understand this, that the only way that you can identify something is by the fruit that comes out of it. The only reason why I know a tree is an orange tree is because oranges come out of it. The only reason why I know an apple tree is an apple tree because apples come out of it. I have never seen an orange tree make an apple tree or seen an apple tree make oranges. I, my apologies. I never seen an orange tree make apples or apples trees make oranges. But understand this, when you see what comes out of it, that's when you get to know what it really is. If you're in a relationship right now and your man hasn't showed you who he is or you're in a relationship right now and your lady hasn't shown the fruit of who she is you don't know who she is you just know her words but you've got to see the actions the fruits the things that come out of the person can I tell you to know who God is is to know the fruits of who he is if God says he loves you he didn't just say he loves you he manifested his glory for the Bible says that God demonstrated his love and that while I was yet a sinner while I was yet a crack smoker while I was was yet a weed smoker while I was yet strung up on drugs, while I was yet sleeping around. Why can't is there anybody in here who can say that even when I was a sinner, when I was a nobody, when I didn't look good, when my family left me, God still demonstrated his love towards me in that while I was yet a sinner. See, that alone, I should just stop preaching right there. Y'all should just start getting crazy right now. Because the Bible tells me that the wages of sin is death. I should have been dead already. I shouldn't even be in this church. I shouldn't even be worshiping. I could just stop right here and say, give God a praise right now just for the love. Come on now. You've got to praise God. You've got to worship him for the love. You, you know somebody by their fruit. And how you know somebody is by what comes out of them. How do you know God's heart? You know it by the fruit. Uh, and how do you know somebody? You know them by their fruit. You know how the way, the way they think through the fruit. I can even argue to you this, that the product of the heart or the fruit of the heart is the thought. I'm going to help you understand this, that the product of what comes out of the heart is the actual thought. Let me tell you why. Because the Bible says that which a man thinketh, so is he. So a man is defined by his thoughts. Meaning, I know somebody by the way that they think. Some of you, you got some broken down ways of thinking. You've got to change that today. Can I talk to somebody right now? You've got some broke down ways of doing something. Even when you talk good in front of somebody, you still cussing on the inside. Can I preach to somebody? Even when you're talking good things, you still got porno playing inside. Can I preach? Is it okay if I preach to somebody right now to say, there's still some stuff on my inside that I still got to fix. I got to change what's inside. I'm sorry if I get ugly with y'all, but that's how I do it. Because you got to understand this. God already done known what you did. <laughs> you ain't surprising God. That's why I, I spoke to this one person. I would talk to God, but man, if I start telling God what I did, he just going to leave me. I said, listen, sis, he knew what you did before you were even born. That before the foundation of the universe, I already knew you. And if I knew you, I knew your identity. If I knew your identity, then I knew your thoughts. And if I knew your thoughts, I knew your mind. Okay. Okay. Just think about that for a minute. 
So the very essence of who I am comes from my thoughts. And even Rene Descartes, who was a, 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 one of the brightest minds of our time, forget our time, one of the brightest minds in all of humanity. He said this, to prove the existence of who I am, I'll tell you this. He said this. He said, I think, therefore I am. So that means that if I think, that means I must exist. Meaning the very essence of my thought implies my existence. Am I preaching to somebody right now? So therefore me thinking proves that I am here. If, if my thinking proves that I'm here, then the level that I think proves the level that I am. If you're thinking down here, you're never going to get higher. You can only go as high as you think. You can only go as high as your heart takes you. That's why I want to preach this word to some people today. Because some of y'all, your hearts are down here. You're not looking at a lot from yourself. And then you look at people shot while you ain't nobody. You're nobody because you never gave yourself a chance to be somebody. You're still down here when he said, I can make you up here. But no matter what ceiling God puts for you, you put another ceiling below it. But if you can learn to think like God. Now, let me say this. If I'm made in God's image, can I take my time here? If I'm made in God's image, then I'm supposed to look like God. Because an image is a reflection. If I'm a model of God, I have to look like God. Am I preaching right now? Somebody, please let me know you're awake and let me know you hear what I'm preaching. If I, if I look like God, that means that when I look at myself in the mirror, I got to say that person kind of looks just like how God would look. I don't know if anybody understands what I'm saying right now. So if you're looking at yourself and you don't see God, that's what you got to work on. That's how you know when you're working through the process of sanctification. When you look on Monday, you look at yourself, you say, I'm not fully looking like God yet, but I look a little bit closer than what I look like on Sunday and then when you come in on Tuesday you look at yourself you say mm, I'm not there yet but I look a lot closer to God now than I look like on Monday and when you come in on Wednesday you look at yourself in the mirror you say I'm looking at myself I might not be all the way there yet but I look closer to God on Tuesday everybody see where I'm going with this that means that when the days go by the weeks go by the months go by by the time you get in the grave you come looking like God God look at you he said that baby does look like me and that if that baby look like me then I will call you my child I will call you who I am. You can come into my house. You can get my inheritance. You can look. Now, if, if I'm supposed to look like God, then my thoughts must look like God's thoughts. And I have to take my time with this. Because you see, here's what happens. Is that we begin to limit ourselves. I want to make sure you understand this. Is that the reflection of who I am must be God. So the reflection of my thoughts must be God's thoughts. The very essence of my thoughts must be God's thoughts. If anybody just heard that, you should be freaking out right now and intimidated. Because if I tell you right now, you got to look just like God, some of y'all should be freaking out right about now. Because you can look at yourself and say, I don't look at anybody look exactly like God right now. If you if you raise your hand, I'm gonna just come up. You can just come up during altar call. And I'm gonna have a prayer with you, and I'm gonna do something about that. <laughs> but here's what I want to say: is this, is that when you begin to change the way that you think, the new possibilities are open. When I had this message and I said heart driven, heart driven, being driven by your heart. 
what I was talking about is that transformation that happens when you begin to see possibilities in your life that you didn't see before. I'm going to take my time with this because you see here, let me help you understand this. Is that no matter how beautiful you are, if you don't think you're beautiful. Uh, no matter how talented you are, if you don't think you're talented. No matter how intelligent you are, if you don't think you're intelligent. Oh, somebody help me right now. No matter how gifted you are, if you don't think you're gifted, how can God use you? How can God employ your talents and your abilities? If you don't think that you can get through college, how are you going to get through college? If you don't think you can get a promotion, how are you going to get a promotion? If you don't think that anybody can marry you, how do you expect a man to love you when you can't even love yourself? How can you expect a woman to think when you're a provider where you don't think you can get yourself a job? You've got to change the the way that you think you've got to transform your mind you've got to transform your heart your mind's got to change you've got to even if you don't see it you've got to believe it for God says this he says I know the thoughts that I have towards you meaning when my thought begins to think like God's thoughts he says the thoughts that I have are for you to succeed for you to get a job I didn't create you ugly I didn't create you stupid I didn't create you with no talent no I created you with gift with ability to do the things that I call all you to do nobody is useless in front of God but here's what the enemy does the enemy says you know what all I got to do is plant a little seed in their mind to think that they're nothing and that they're nobody because if I can get you to think that you're nobody then I can get you to think that you can't do nothing for God and if I can get you to think that you can do nothing for God then I can get you to think that you'll never have a marriage that you'll never find a man that'll love you a woman that'll love you you'll never find a career you'll never find a job you'll stay exactly where you are so you wonder why you're turning 40 and you're in the same place 50 and you're in the same place 60 you're in the same place because you see he's put you in a bondage with yourself nobody tied you up he made you tie yourself up and now you're wondering how to get out well I came to tell you today that the deliverance is in your hands the release is in your hands all you've got to do is change the way that you think when you change how you think doors start to open I, I feel like I have to preach this because when you accept God fully he then deposits things in you. Okay, okay. One day, I'm going to have some people give testimonies. And there's going to be Testimony Sunday. And if anybody's shy to give a testimony, you ain't saved yet. Because it's not about him judging who you are. It's about him judging where he took you from. Who you were, sorry, than where he took you from. So when I say you got to give the testimony, you've got to prove and show to somebody else what God has done in your life. As a matter of fact, the testimony is more powerful than the preaching. Because when it's evident in front of people, they see that if he did it for him or he did it for her, then why can't he do it for me? Ah. so if people want to test this is what I'm saying is that when you get into testimony mode you're going to start talking about what you used to be and if anybody, anybody knows before I was saved I was in a mental bondage I didn't feel like I could do anything didn't feel like there was any hope I bet there's some people in here who said I thought about killing myself a few times thought about committing suicide but then one day Jesus came in my life and when he came into my life all of a sudden things got deposited into me all of a sudden I started seeing 
seeing possibilities that I didn't see before. All of a sudden, I started seeing potential that I didn't see before. Let me tell you something. When you accept God in your life, he says, I will put a new spirit in you, meaning I'm going to put new thoughts in you. I'm putting a new heart in you. I'm putting a new mentality in you. And then when you get saved, you start going, hold up. I'm a lot smarter than they said I was. Hold up. I'm a lot more talented than they said I was. Hold up. I'm not supposed to be living on the street. I'm not supposed to be sleeping around. I'm too beautiful for that. I'm too good for that. I'm too talented for that. I'm way too anointed. And you got to be careful with this one. Is that when God deposits something in you, nobody's seen it yet. Am I preaching to somebody right now? When God puts something in you, it's inside of you, meaning you may have a change happening, but nobody sees the change. What do we call that? We call that the foundation. Okay. Now, if we call that the foundation, understand this, that there's some things that God puts in you that you have to protect. Because if you don't protect it, people are going to want to take it. If you go back and you look at the story of Joseph, Joseph had a dream. God deposited something in him. And then he quickly went and told his brothers, the people that he thought were on his side. But the Bible tells me this, that they got jealous by the things that he was saying. So they went and they put him in a hole. I'm glad that even when people hate on you, that doesn't stop what God is still going to do in your life. But there's another example that I've seen, that God put put a dream into Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, I'm going to have you build the walls. I'm going to have you rebuild Jerusalem. Now, Jeremiah, here's what I love. Jeremiah says this. He said, I told no one what my God had put in my heart. Meaning, he knew that there would be haters. He knew there would be naysayers. He knew there would be people who would think that he was crazy, who would think his dream is too big, who would think his vision is too big. Can I tell you something? If your vision is not bigger than you, then your vision is not good enough. If your vision is not greater than you, then your vision is not great enough. You've got to have a vision that's way bigger than what you can do. Because if you only get a vision than what you can do, you limit what God can do in your life but how many people just sang in worship and said my God is the God of the impossible meaning if it looks impossible for me don't worry my God is gonna make it happen in my life so Nehemiah says you know what I'm not gonna tell anybody and understand this that if God equips you with a vision If God puts a vision in you, excuse me, he's not going to just put it in you and not give you the ability to make it happen. I'm talking about motivation right now. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, he said he equips you with everything that you are to do for his will. Meaning when you have a dream inside of you or a vision inside of you, what's most important is that you can see it. That means nobody else needs to see it. Can I tell you that when you have a vision, you don't need the approval of other people. You don't need somebody to tell you that they approve of what you're doing. As a matter of fact, you can expect everybody to say that you can't do it. Because when they say that you can't do it, then you got to tell them that my God is way bigger than your opinions. My God is way bigger than your assessment. My God has a bigger dream and a vision. The Bible says this, that eyes have seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it come into the heart of man. The things that God has planned. Meaning, when I can see it, if eyes can't see it, then it must happen in my life. 
Oh, y'all didn't catch it. Y'all didn't catch it. Y'all didn't catch it. If the enemy can't see it, the reason why he can't see it is because God is working it. Let him see you at the top. Don't let him see you when you're climbing up. You talk to him. Tell him what you're doing. Then when you get to the top, come back to him and say, didn't you say I couldn't do this? Didn't you say I couldn't graduate? Didn't you say I couldn't get the promotion? Didn't you say I didn't have a chance? But I had believed in the dream and the vision that God put inside of me. I'm about to close. That brings us to this text. That brings us to this text. If you go back to Matthew chapter 13 now. (laughs) I love this now. The verse in, in, in Matthew 13, if you look at the one that precedes it, what Jesus is doing now is Jesus is describing to the disciples why he preaches in parables. Now understand, parables are um, examples, they're illustrations. And he's preaching in parables, and here's what he says now. He says this, he says, he says, Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Stay with me for a minute, now I'm going to move quick. He says, seeing they, they, even though they see, they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. What Jesus is saying to the disciples is, is that it's not the capacity to see that they have a problem with. It's not the capacity to hear that they have the problem, but rather there's something much deeper going on. Here's what he explains now. He looks at verse 14, he says this, he says, and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, meaning Isaiah had already expected this. He said, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and shall not perceive. What he's saying is, is that there are some things that you can see on the physical, but your spiritual can't process it. I'm going to make you understand it. Meaning, there's some opportunities, some possibilities that your eyes have seen, but you didn't believe that you could do it. There's some things that you would have heard that you didn't believe were possible. He's saying that I put blessings right in front of you, but because your heart ain't ready for it yet, you weren't able to process it. So now what he's saying is, it's not the fact that you can't see, it's not the fact that you can't hear, rather it's the fact that you can't process it. Now what's the processing center? He goes a little bit further, he says in verse 15, he says for the heart of the people have grown dull now he's saying that the reason why they can't see the reason why they can't hear the reason why they haven't processed it is not because they haven't seen it not because they haven't heard it but rather because their hearts are dull now that's peculiar because the bible explains this to me if i look in the english definition of dull here's what it says dull by definition is it's lacking sharpness lacking spirit and lacking intensity that's a peculiar thing that jesus would use the word dull that the heart has become dull because i understand that dullness is a product of a process Uh, but that dullness is the product of a negative process meaning there was something that happened now if I say process what I'm talking about is time meaning over time something has been happening that has brought whatever was sharp whatever was dull whatever had fire into it down the reason why I want to preach this because when Jesus now goes a little bit deeper he says in the text that dullness is a specific type of dullness what he's explaining here quite literally in the text is that dullness means to be made thick to be made 
callous or to be made fat. Now, I understand the thickness and the callous part because callousness now is what happens. Uh, it's a hardening or a toughening of the exterior. It's the hardening or a toughening that happens through the process. If you look at your hand, it's much less callous than the bottom of your feet, meaning your feet have gone through a lot more than your hands have gone through. If you look at Matt's fingers, Matt is a bass player. He's, he's going to be a little bit different because his fingers are going to be more callous because he's gone through the process of playing the bass. Uh, you'll notice that Jerry, he's a drummer. He plays the drums a lot. But you'll notice that under his knuckles, see, I know about that, Jerry. Right under his knuckles, you're going to notice uh, marks. He's going to look like he's wearing a glove because he's put his hands through a process. Now, here's what happens is that the reason why Jesus is using this is he's explaining something. He's saying, here's what happens over time. People begin to rub your spirit the wrong way. Over time, people begin to rub against it and they continue to rub against it. And what happens is the more that you rub, the more hard it gets, the more callous it gets. Uh, I want to preach this because you see, once you get to a place of callousness, then you get to a place of futility. Now, the place of futility is when all of a sudden you don't put your spirit into action anymore. All of a sudden you don't put your heart into action anymore. All of a sudden you don't put your disposition into action anymore. Instead, what you did was is that you put your dream to the side. You said, you know what I used to want to do this thing uh, but I don't believe I can do it anymore so now you put it to the side but get this now your, your, your heart continues to get fed with negative things it continues to get fed with bad calories and now it sits back and it doesn't do anything so what eventually happens now is that your heart gets fat is anybody talking about and now your heart gets fat you see the problem is is that your heart I would like to call this a, a, a spiritual couch potato you're too busy sitting down watching everybody else fulfill their dreams. You're too busy sitting down watching everybody else fulfill their vision and you're wondering why nothing's happening for you. Well, that's because your heart continues to sit in the same place. Now, now I want to say this now because you see, I want to preach this, that it's time for us to stop getting into this place of callousness, this place of futility, to think about for a minute the time when you had a vision. Uh, to think about for a minute the time when you had a dream to think about for a minute the time when you knew that good things can happen in your life can I take you back for a minute to the time when you thought that you could have been a doctor or the time that you thought that you could have been a lawyer or the time that you thought that you could have started that business the time that you thought that you could have finished high school that time of promise that time of success when emotionally mentally you were all there but what happened you got tired in the process but I love this here is that even when you continue to prod and people continue to talk to you and now you feel tired about the possibilities what the Bible says now it says even the youth shall be faint shall grow faint and be weary uh, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength what I'm preaching today is, is this is that you ain't got to do anything because what God does is he says I will deposit a new spirit in you I will deposit a new spirit in you Take your time with this. He says, I will put a new spirit. I'm preaching today to some people who are just emotionally tired. When I preached this message, I was talking about heart driven. I was like, man, I can't wait to preach this because I'm going to tell people, like, you just got to believe your heart and just go after it. 
And as I was praying during the week, God said, you got to tell them they got to change their heart first. Because a lot of us, we already checked out. Some of you don't even realize it. But when's the last time you thought about your dream? When's the last time you thought about your goal? When's the last time you thought about your vision? And if you ever look at yourself, you see every day looks worse than before. And the next thing you know, you're living day to day. Vision is gone. Dream is gone. Think about that for a minute. I came to preach this today that it's not over. It's not over. If the enemy had his way, you wouldn't have came into this church today. If the enemy had his way, you wouldn't come to come here and hear this word. But the fact that you showed up today tells me this, that God is calling me to tell you something. He's telling me to tell you that it's not over. You don't have to give up. You've got to follow your heart. You've got to follow your dream. You've got to believe that God will do it. You've got to believe this is not the time for you to give up. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Because if he takes away your dream, he takes away your hope. If he takes away your hope, he takes away your faith. If he takes away your faith, he takes your salvation. He doesn't want you to have hope. So what he wants you to do is he wants you to give up. But I came to tell you today that if you count on God, I came to tell you today that if you follow his precepts, I came to tell you today if you get into your word and you get righteous in God, there is possibility in your life. The Bible says this, I have never seen the righteous forsaken so when you're going through your vision you're going through your dream don't let people stop you don't let people talk against you don't let people say you can't do it even if they turn their back on you guess what there's some things you're about to do people are about to leave you people are about to give up on you they're going to say you're wasting your time you're stupid you're crazy i know what that looks like because i've seen some people even in this church who people left them because of their dream but now look at what god is doing in your life I've never seen the righteous forsaken. In economics, about to close. In economics, to learn something. It's one of the reasons why I even love the topic of economics is, is that you can you can predict how people will behave. That's how you predict the economy. But the way you predict people behave is you find what motivates them. Wow. 
there's a study um, that was conducted by Harvard economists on teenage pregnancies. And he was trying to find a way to get teenage pregnancies to go down, to decrease it. And so he came up with this really interesting idea. He understood that people are driven by motivation. So here's what he did. He said, I'm going to try this new program and see if people get interested in it. He started with one high school and then he moved on to some others. He said, I'm going to pay teenage girls $1 per day for every day they're not pregnant. Now you say, man, a dollar ain't nothing. But the truth is, is that that's where the art is, is in knowing what motivates them. The dollar was just enough to reduce teenage pregnancy significantly in that area. I'm helping you understand here that you are driven by what motivates you. It's the word, that's where motivation comes from. So my question for you today is what drives you? What pushes you? Because I've come, I, I'm telling you this right now because I know what it looks like when people are driven by hurt. When people are driven by pain. When people are driven by stupidity. When people are driven by negative thoughts. Just recently, a police officer, because he was laid off, went and just started, he went on a killing spree. What made him do that? What drove him to do that? Driven by pain? Driven by hurt? Some of you, the reason why you're going in the wrong direction is because you're letting pain drive you. This is the sermon right here. Heart driven. Where's your heart? I came to tell you today, if you accept God in your life, he says this. He says, I will give you a new heart. A new heart is a new life. For the Bible says, if we read the text, that out of it flows the issues of life, the springs of life. And it's the heart that generates the course of your life. You want to change where your life is going? Change your heart. Can I say that one more time? You want to change where your life is going? Change your heart. You want to change the stuff that's happening in your life? Change your heart. You want to start moving forward? Change your heart. You want to start really getting to where you want to be? Change your heart. Change your mindset. Take Jesus! We pray you found this message to be a blessing to you. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, please tell us. We would love to hear from you. Email us at intouch at agape-center.com. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, come visit us. We would love to have you join us. For more information, please visit our website at www.agape-center.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon.